I'm Nick Turzo, and you are listening to The Radical. This week's guest basically introduced Southern bass to hip-hop. With his group's 1993 hit redefining hip-hop and spending seven weeks at number two on the charts, he has since moved on to many careers as a photographer, voiceover actor, even studied to be a paralegal so he could assist in court proceedings to gain his songwriter and publishing interests back. DC Glenn from the hip-hop duo Tag Team joins me this week to discuss all things WAMP and how a Geico commercial realigned his entire career. We discuss how personal ownership, openness to learning, and discipline reshaped Glenn's life. Coming up after the break, my conversation with DC Glenn. It's Nick. And the Radical Podcast is now powered in part by Playboy Condoms. At Playboy, they are committed to products that make sexual intimacy safe, playful, and fun for all. That's why they have introduced Playboy Condoms designed for maximum pleasure and safety with unique quality and scent features that exceed international quality standards. Now available at Walmart or Walmart.com. Respect your partners. Hi, DC Glenn. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on? I'm really excited to meet you and have this conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think what you guys did in the 90s, you know, was such a seminal kind of piece of work for hip hop. And I've never known if you've gotten the full, you know, accolades you kind of deserve for that. Um, So I'm excited to have this conversation, see where you are Mm -hmm. today see how you keep building on your creativity and your positivity. Um, and I'm excited to have this conversation. Hey man, let's go. Like we are going, man, we're going. So, um, I don't want to go through a whole timeline with you, but I think it's fascinating. Nah, do that. No, that's, just, a, that's always just boring. So yeah, 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 yeah. Just ask me, we can start how we start. You know yeah. what I mean? Any way you want to do it. It's well, I want to know all about the magic city gentlemen's club. So if I could, <laughs> if I could talk, about that's that. why I made, that's as they say, that's why I made my bones. Right. And, you know, I moved to Atlanta and I had never seen anything like that in my life. And I was a great DJ in California because I went to school at Sac State and I went to visit Steve because he had moved to Atlanta to go to the Art Institute. And as soon as I came here, I had $500 in my pocket. And they took me to Magic City, and a half hour, $500 was gone. <laughs> and I knew that I was going to go back to uh, Sacramento, California, load up my stuff, and come to Atlanta. And wow. I, I had a job and everything. But the first night I got here, went to Magic City, and the DJ was drunk or something. And... Uh, the the bouncer was like, there goes magic right there. And I was like, you need a DJ. And he was like, no, I don't need no DJ, but come see me Monday. And I went and saw him Monday and he was like, I don't need no DJ, but I need a, I need a cook. And I was like, all right. And um, you'd be the cook and you'd be the backup DJ. And I went upstairs, cooked a couple of orders of uh, chicken wings and a salad. And the daytime DJ was like, hey man, can you, can you DJ for me? Because I got to go run some errands at the bank. And he let me on the DJ ones and twos all day because he thought he might have been getting over because, you know, I was going to DJ all day and I was so happy to be DJing. But what he didn't realize is that because I was talented and because I knew something, I took over. Right. And sneak attack. 
it wasn't even a sneak attack. It was just, <laughs> I just did what I did. And those girls made more money they'd ever made. They partied. We had a good time. And we had a meeting that Sunday. And they got all up and cheered and said, we want him. And that was it. And uh, I had worked there for a while. And, you know, I was very popular in the city. And um, I knew that for us to get out of the Southeast, we had to make bass music. And we're, you know, we're hip hop, right? Cause you know, I order all my records from all over the country. So I've always been in the know. And boom, there it is, was our first attempt. And everybody thinks it's this Manhattan project. And all it is, is a, um, a song. <laughs> a song about partying on a Friday night. It was that simple. Yeah. And uh, we signed a record deal. We signed a bad record deal. And I, I gave my two weeks in Magic City. And after that, month and a half, we were platinum. And that's, it was fast. It was furious. And really haven't stopped since. What was the, something. what was the community like back then, DC? What was like, who, I mean, I mean, Jermaine Dupree was around as a young kid, right? Wasn't he around mm-hmm. in the zone? What was I the remember, community around you like then? It, it was beautiful because everybody started moving to Atlanta at the same time. I moved there, LA Babyface moved there. Uh, Bobby Brown had moved there. Too Short had moved there. Just everybody started moving there and the music scene just started exploding. And I'm in the best, I'm in the best club where everybody comes anyway. So I knew everybody even before I was, you know, an entertainer. So, I mean, before I made Wound, there it is. So it just worked out that all the people that used to come visit me be like, man, that's cool that you used to play our records. And now, you know, you got your own record and was on tour with all these people that I was with in Magic City. So community was good because I have friends still to this day. Cause see, the thing about strip clubs is that it's not about me, it's about the girls. And I always treated them like that. And I was their ally and I showed them how to make money and I showed them little hustles on how to get, you know, just be better. And they still, all of them, four generations still love me to this day because I did it for like 30 years, 25 years and just nurtured and taught people. And then they taught me and we just were all a community. So I never looked at it like I'm around a bunch of strippers. I just looked at these, these are the people that I make money with. So, you know, it would be in your best interest to, for all y'all to work together and we hustle together. So I'm very grateful for that time in my life. I'm very grateful for all the clubs because it taught me a lot of stuff taught me a lot of things that I use to this day still as far as tactics and how to keep your emotions in check and how to hustle and, you know, how to, how to, um, how to deflect diversity that comes your way. You know, anything that is, is meant to stop you can't stop you. Right. All these things are learned in the clubs and understanding, you know, what it is I'm there to do helps me with every part of life. And then, I've lived so long, you know, I've lived a good enough life that everything helps each other, right? You used to tell me, you're all over the place, DC, you know, you can't do everything. You know, you got your tentacles all over the place. You know, you're a jack of all trades, master none. I'm like, okay, but if you hustle hard enough and live long enough, all those tentacles become one thing. They align, right? They align and they serve you, right? And you become masterful of some of those trades. And they all there to serve you anyway. So one might be ready for you, 
and you know soon but then the other one might take 10 years and then the other one might take five so whatever you start you can't give up and i've always been like that that's incredible and so Mm -hmm. so the single like you know obviously blows up takes on a life of its own four times platinum but Mm -hmm. i mean were you guys prepared i mean did you have more music did you, I mean, did it put you in an awkward situation or were you able to run with it fast enough? Actually, that was the first time that question has been posed to me in that way. Because it was, it hit so fast that we had to hurry up and make the first album. And because we had to hurry up and make the first album, we had to use a bunch of samples. Because mm-hmm. we had to use a bunch of samples that caused a lot of problems. So it was always problems, right? And that was part of... Um, and then more problems were being combated by other problems because the record company was just trying to sign everybody. And then, then it just became, it became unsustainable, right? And it's like you have a business and you try to sell a thousand widgets when you might've just should have sold two and just got good at selling two, right? And that's kind of how it was. And the record company went bankrupt. And I thought we handled it well, but you know, and we got we got money. We had a good time. It was it, it worked out well. But what happened is um, we weren't getting the money that we were supposed to get, and then it just became a little toxic. And then the record company went bankrupt. Another record company comes and buys it out. They take things that they're not supposed to, and then now we got a battle, right? And that battle lasted for twenty years. Holy and crap! Basically. You know, we were stopped in our tracks right there, but I've always taken responsibility for my mistakes. I've always taken, you know, the glass is half full, um, you know, tact. I could have been bitter and just cried over spilt milk, but I said, let me become a paralegal. Let me act like a paralegal and, and figure out how to get all the discovery, how to get the cases, how to just follow this thing and have all my paperwork together because I know I'm going to get my day in court. And that's what I did. And I just went on with my life. And because of that experience, you know, I had to, you know, lawyers bleed you. That happened one time and I had to go back to DJing because there was no more money. And it was all good because I was making show money as a DJ, right? So I've got the best of all worlds. We're still partying, still having a good time. And I just decided to start educating myself in finance and just anything and then if i'm at the club let me get let me let me figure out how i can make that work to my advantage because you know this is the key to my success is that i'm not just a dj you know i'm your sound guy i'm your light tech right i'm do your flyers i do your radio ads i do your television ads i'm your marketing manager right i do all these things because you have to make yourself invaluable if you make yourself invaluable and that company is making a ton of money, you're basically become a partner or a shareholder, right? Yep. So if I'm a shareholder or a partner, that means I've got health insurance. I've got everything I need to do, you know, just practice things that I want to do later. And that's what I did. And because I was at the club, I was able to practice, get good at marketing. I was able to get good at fashion photography. I was able to get good at, uh, because everybody's like, well, you, you're so good at it. How come you don't do it? Because I don't like it as a job. I like it because I get to do it at my job, which makes it fun, right? Right. Fashion photographer, I get to take pictures of all the girls. What's, what's not fun about that? 
right? I get to, <laughs> I get to do radio ads. I get to do television ads. I get to be creative. I get to learn about SEO, right? And then the ones that really inspire me, I move further and I start taking classes. And then I start flying to New York and LA and start training for voiceovers so I can make better voiceover ads, right? I started doing this, I learned, you know, SEO. I had an opportunity to really make some money about 2011 because everybody thought Barack Obama was in our video, but nobody could find me. And that was my fault because we didn't have a web presence. Mm -hmm. So now it's time to correct that, right? And you just keep grinding. You keep working. You don't quit. And you just move. I play offense. The only thing (laughs) I know how to do is play offense. And... It works. Trust me. Yes, I believe you. You're you're very believable. Um, mm-hmm. So with Womp, let's just go back for a second. So this thing blows up four times platinum. What do you got? Twenty million streams on Spotify now on the song, something like that. Plus, yeah, something like whatever, right? But it sticks like at number two, right, on like the hot singles mm-hmm. chart for like what seven or eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Did that drive you crazy? It's like really, we're stuck no, at number because two. I know why. Okay. I know why. Okay. They they didn't want rap records to be big back then. Mm. So they switched the criteria how they judge what makes a record number one. If they had kept the old criteria, we would have been number one for ever. Right. right. But they changed it. And when they changed it, that bought in more of R and B element as opposed to whatever was hot. Right. And it diluted it. So we were stuck at number two because think about it. There were so many records that came and passed us and then fell off like two weeks. But we were still at number two because of the strength of the record. If they hadn't changed it, it would have been another way around. We would have been number one for like we would have broke records for being number one. But I don't really worry about stuff like that. I'm trying to. I'm trying to just do good work. Right. I'm trying to I'm I'm having fun. I'm doing what I do. But because I've been was in the club and I watched everybody and I seen people rise and fall, it never affected me like that. I never was a star. I never said I wanted to be a star. I didn't want fame. I just wanted the money, right? And I wanted to work hard and I wanted to see what would come about it. And that's all I did. And you know, people always, you know, ask me that, and I'm like, it wasn't. It 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 didn't really affect me. Right. Because I was saying I, I vowed to be the same person that I was when I was DJ in Magic City as I would be afterward. And I was and I still am to this day. That's why a lot of people don't really know who I am, because I don't carry myself like a star. Right. If nobody knows who I am, I'm fine with that. I really am because, you know, you have to be in control of your ego and your pride. It takes years to do that. But. When you do that, there's a there's a there's an amount of freedom that you have that can't be explained as a man, right? Now, inside I'm dying because I'm like my ego and my 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 pride is going on, you know, my pride is hurt or my ego's wanting to just bust out and <laughs> but you can't let it happen because people judge you by things like that. And it's not that I care about if anybody judges me, but you I like to think that. Everybody knows that my integrity is at such a high level. That's why I get the respect that I do. Right. And that means a lot to me. That means more to me than anything. Dude, it's something you carry with you, man. That stuff comes, hey. stays with you. So the story here that's incredible is that you fought a 20-year legal battle. 
to kind of get your rights back. And um, you went and trained yourself as a paralegal (laughs) to actually assist in that. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, I think that's an incredible thing that you did. I just knew from a, I knew from a court case my brother was in when we were young and he won that court case only because he took notes and he had them organized. Because if, other than that, it's just one word, person's word against another word, person's word. But if you got 20 years worth of notes and everything is organized, you stand a way better chance of not only saving money because you do the research. And even if they try to do the research, they're not going to have what you have. No. You give the lawyers everything they need to create, right? All I want the lawyers to do is create. And, you know, you're learning things. You're like, I didn't know they did that. I didn't know they made that much money doing this. I didn't know they tried to do that to me, right? You learn things because once it's in, once, you know, once that everything that you say is dictated in court, right? And then it becomes public and you can go get it. And then I went and got it, I studied it. And now, you know, I make it sound easy, but it wasn't easy, no. right? I had to find no way. all this stuff. Yeah, I had to find this stuff. And then, you know, what happens is, when you're trying to sue somebody, you have to go through, you have to uh, put in a motion. And if no circuit court wants to do your motion, you got to keep trying to find a place to have your, your trial. And they went through about 50 motions. It took a long time until 2010 that they got their day in court. And, you know, it was a battle and the old record company pre- prevailed. And then after that, what happens is the one that was, uh, that, that lost gets the appeal to certain courts over and over and over again, all the way to the Supreme Court, which they did. Can you they imagine? Did. They if did. The NBC News comes on the tag today, the Supreme Court takes on the tag team. Whoop, there it is, Case. Can you believe that, guys? That, that would have just been bananas, right? <laughs> but they didn't take the case and it was over. And it was in, you know, it was in bankruptcy court then. And when it was in bankruptcy court, everybody's trying to figure out their assets, move things around. And then somehow we got dragged into it. And then that was my day to fight. And I'll never forget, we found a good lawyer, Melinda. And I gave her a big box of stuff. And she came back with so many scenarios for us to choose from or different ways. If this goes this way, this is what we're going to do. If this goes this way, this is what we're going to do. And I was like, where were you 20 years ago? (laughs) Right? She wasn't even born, probably. I don't know. But she she was young, man. But she went in there and ripped their mouth out. And, you know, after that, that, that length of time, you know, we prevailed. You know, we it it wasn't I it it wasn't ideal, but now it was over, right? That thing wasn't hanging over my head, and it's like war. You lose an arm, you lose a leg, and you just now you got a choice to make. You know what I mean? Are you gonna what are you gonna do with your life? That's really how I felt. Then I got depressed, and I laid in bed. You know, August two thousand seventeen. I laid in bed for a whole month. Like, what are you gonna do, man? What are you gonna do? Because I I retired from DJing in 2015 because I just didn't want to be a 50 year old DJ, and not because I I don't love DJing because I've been doing it since I was a kid, but because the clubs changed, hip hop changed, everything changes, and I'm not gonna sit there like a lot of people and be bitter about it, right? Because a lot of people are old and bitter about it, and you look old and bitter. And I got a call, DC. We want to use you for our company for uh, voiceover. You got $10,000 for you. It's like, oh, that's what I'm going to do, <laughs> right? And I, I did that. And then I said, okay, I'm about to start. You know, I would always stop. I'd never stopped training for voiceover though, right? Because voiceover was rough for me at the beginning. And I just never stopped. 
and it was hard. And I was trying to do it different ways and everything. And then I get an agent because my voiceover coach was like, go down there and talk to them. They look for African-American talent. And I got an agent. And then I started getting auditions and I booked a couple of things. And then I'm at up at the agency, the people store agency for a meeting. And the owner comes in and is like, I like your face. Put them on camera. Now I'm an actor. Just like that. And everybody has a dream of walking up on a stage and getting an Oscar, but nobody's ever going, but you know, 99.9.1% of people are not going to try to be actors, right? It's just a good dream to have. And I'd had opportunities to act before, but I wasn't thinking about acting. And now I'm an actor and I start going to class and it got good to me. And I was in class every day, sometimes two, three times a day and training, 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 training from 2017 until the pandemic. And I booked a couple things locally and regionally, but then in January, I booked my first national Pizza Hut commercial. It was a Pizza Hut commercial for March Madness. And then the next month, here comes the pandemic. And I wasn't mad that I didn't, you know, wasn't able to get the money off of it. I was happy that I booked. That's a seed that was planted so many years ago. And it just flourished into a big tree, right? And I was just happy. And that just gave me the resolve to continue on. But the pandemic made everybody stop in their tracks and reevaluate everything. Like everybody's like, I'm hustling. I work hard. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm this, I'm that. But a lot of people are in their car, revving the engine and they look outside and they're not moving anywhere because they're stuck in mud and their wheels are spinning. Right. And that analogy is just true. Now, I don't think I was one of those people, but at times in my life, I've been that person. Right. So I had to the same when I was laying in that bed. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's like, can't go do shows. You can't do this. You can't do that. But you can do is this. Because at that time, everything was like, we're all in this together. COVID. Right. I mean, every <laughs> commercial was like that. Right. And um, it just was like. You've got all these lessons because I record everything when I have classes. And I went back to the beginning 10 years ago and just started and organized everything in the month of March where everybody thought we was going to start turning into zombies and eating each other, right? Don't tell me you didn't think that for like a, a half a second. <laughs> Believe me, it felt like that for a minute. <laughs> it felt like that, that that was possible, right? And... um. I went back and I listened to my first ever voiceover class with Joan Baker and Rudy Gaskins of New York, Push Creative. And it was horrific because I had to listen to my 10-year-old self, 10-year-old, 10-year-ago self, right? And I had to listen to my conversations that I was having with these people. And I had to listen to me understanding that the reason I wasn't good at voiceover yet because of me, right? And it was um, it was heartbreaking, man, because I thought I could whoop there it is my way through anything, right? And I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was so wrong. But I love being wrong because wrong is the path to being right, right? Right on. <laughs> and wrong is the way to sequester your ego and your pride. And I listened to my first voiceover that I, my first voiceover script. And 
it was um, just cringeworthy. But then I noticed something. I noticed I understood what they were saying to me when they were giving me notes and trying to baby talk me through it, right? Because I didn't understand the language. So they're trying to mm -hmm. baby talk me through it. like, And I'm like trying to just act like I know what I'm doing to them. And it just wasn't, it was like oil and water, man. And I said, you know what, do it over. Take their notes and do it over now. And I did it and it was angelic because I had finally had mastery over my voice, right? And I listened in the month of March to 42 hour sessions, took notes and honed my craft in, in, in just a month. And I haven't looked back. And the first, and then April, because I went so hard with acting classes, my acting coach, Crystal Karsten, LA, calls me and says, hey, I got a movie for you. I'm casting, casting this movie and I want you in it. Can you get to Nebraska? I was like, yeah. And I get to Nebraska and we got a week of shooting a movie and it was beautiful. And then I shot my second movie. Then I did another voiceover, right? Then I did, um, I booked the Tyler Perry House of Pain uh, gig. And then here comes Geico. So that's why I tell you 2020 is one of the best years of my life because I, against all odds, against a pandemic, did things that I couldn't do my whole life. Just because I reinvented myself and got my mindset in a way that was so focused that what I learned, I learned so many lessons from the pandemic. You know, it changed my whole trajectory of thinking, right? It changed, it, it, it made me realize, this is the one, one thing it made me realize, that we all have these things in our life that we, we beat ourselves up for, whether it's a mistake, missed opportunities, all those things, right? And we beat ourselves up about those things because we think, because we were young, we never can do that again because that's only something you can do when you're young, right? That's the narrative, yes. That's the narrative, right? And then it, what I realized is like, wait a minute. All those things that you used to beat yourself up over when you were young, you're doing now. You're an actor. You're a voice artist. You got an agent, right? You got one of you you got out the lawsuit. You got one of the biggest records in the history of recorded music. And I said, what else have I beat myself up about? Oh, I haven't touched a drum machine in 20 years. Okay, let's get back on music production because I want to make mm -hmm. I want to make songs again because I love making songs. Okay, well, let's get some tutors because in the pandemic, half the half the teachers and educators in this city, I mean, this country went to work, uh, back to work and half of them was like, I'm not going to be around them nasty ass kids. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> what they did is they went to all the tutor sites and they made money on the tutor side. So now that same child that they're, they're teaching now for $60 an hour, they might've been teaching, you know, for $60 a day, right? Right. And now they switched their paradigm and I switched my paradigm because all the mistakes that I thought I made, all the mistakes, the, the things I thought I missed, I said, you can correct them. And now I got five tutors for music production. I got a tutor for music, uh, theory. I got a tutor for video editing when I need it. 
I got go-to people for everything. And you don't know who's, I mean, I've worked with Harvard professors. I've worked with all kinds of people. The guy that, my main guy that's, that's helping me with uh, music production, I'm using Studio One uh, Digital Audio Workstation. It's a DOS, like Pro Tools. He's one of the engineers on that, 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 that you know, that DAW. He's the one that helped build it. And I'm being tutored by him every Tuesday. And the beauty of it is that it's not traditional way of like, hey, this is what you're going to do and here's your homework. It's more now like, okay, I'm working. Now you're a compliment to my work. So if I've got voiceover auditions and you can teach me things about what I'm doing now, and now my whole education is custom. And now I'm, ha I'm, I'm having fun and it's not a chore to learn this new piece of software. And now I've learned it in a month correctly, right? And the things that I need to do in my workflow now have a certain type of mastery over them because I was able to learn from a custom perspective. So, I mean, and then Geico comes, I get a call from my agent. Hey, you booked a Geico commercial. I'm like, uh, no, I didn't. I didn't audition <laughs> for a Geico commercial. You booked a Geico commercial, DC. They said they want a tag team. I was like, oh, <laughs> let me go check the phone because I have a tag team phone. And sure enough, it was there. DC, we want you guys to do this, be a part of this. And then I was like, hmm, let me, they went to IMDB because I do SEO. And because I couldn't be found back when everybody thought Barack Obama was in our video <laughs> and I lost money that week because we did a hundred, we did so much press and I got nothing to show for it. Today, they called and they found me after one try. They called my agent. My agent calls me. I let my agent make the deal, and it is the most lucrative deal I've ever made in my life. Dude, I love that commercial. I laugh every mm -hmm. time. Every time I crack uh, up watching that commercial. I do too, man, and I don't even know why. Sprinkles. When I say sprinkles, I'm like, <laughs> nothing. But it's... I, I think it's because I can't believe I'm saying sprinkles, right? But, <laughs> but it's funny because everybody's like, DC, so I know you are so happy. And I was like, I was happy first two days. Then I knew I had work to do because we're still in the pandemic. So I know I'm not going to do shows. So basically it's kind of a wash because the whole point to get a Geico commercial is to reinvigorate your career, right? Right. And Salt and Pepper got theirs in 2014 and they had not stopped touring till the pandemic. So those, that's not, that's not going to happen for me. So I said, well, you, you are an actor. Let's bring your acting talents to this game. And I started preparing and I knew that I wanted children to love this. And what do children love? They love sprinkles. And I said, we're going to do three or four things, sprinkles. I want to spin and scoop. Right. And I was trying to find somebody to fabricate a spin and scoop. Couldn't find anybody. And then, you know, the night before we were getting ready to do the commercial, you know, I took a month to put things together, right? That's just me as an actor, right? Preparing. And the night before, I'm talking to the director. I was like, hey, I got some ideas. Like, anything you want to do, DC? I was like, cool. I was like, I wanted to do a spin and scoop, but we're not going to be able to do it because I couldn't find nobody to make it. He was like, it'll be there tomorrow. I was like, whoa. He's like, and I'm like, you know, we want to do some sprinkle things. Like all the sprinkles will be there for you too. What else you got? And I just went off about five or six things and we did it all, right? 
And because we did those things, those are the nuances that make that commercial what it is. Preparation, right? I could have just showed up and been a star and been like, okay, what are we doing? What do we got? All right. Been, been, a, you know what I mean? You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Dude, you've done the first look, you've done the work, right? Yeah, this is how you get to where you are today. Yeah. You're disciplined. You know, mm-hmm. everything that you need to learn is out there. And so yeah. you don't lay back. You proactively nope. go and find that. And then oh, you're awesome. prepared. <laughs> I mean, it's oh, so awesome. amazing. I mean, these yeah, are the, oh, these, hey. that's the formula and you do it. You know what stops people though? This is what stops people. Tell me. Everybody sees it as a quid pro quo. I do this, therefore I get that. Mm. Don't work like that. You don't plant a seed in the garden and go sit down and just look at the seed and say, come on, seed, I need you to grow right now. This seed's not growing, so it must not be good. I quit. How many people you know like that? Everybody tries to put that on the young people, but it'd be old people too. It'd be everybody. Yeah. And it don't work like that. I plant the seed and keep it moving, right? Because you don't know how, you don't know what type of seed you just planted. You don't know how it's going to grow. You don't know if it's getting water good enough. You don't know if it's getting too much water. You don't know what's happening. The only thing you can do is plant it, nurture it a little bit, check on it, and keep it moving. And because I've done that well my entire life, I stand before you today in a forest of opportunity. Testify. (laughs) And I, this ain't even the best part, right? So we shoot, the, we shoot a, we had a great time shooting the commercial. Everybody was professional. It was just beautiful. Where'd you do it? In Atlanta or did you have to go to LA or we something? did it in Atlanta. Okay. We had to, you know, got tested a hundred times for COVID. Yeah. It, was, it was safe. <laughs> but that's what it is. Like people, people look at me, I'm, I go to the gym and everybody's like, why is he still wearing a mask? And I'm like, I wish somebody would ask me so I could just tell them like COVID protocols are brutal for actors in Atlanta. And if I test positive, I lose money. And I got two TV shows right now. Right. Wow. I'm auditioning constantly. There's no way that I'm about to. And I've been I've got been vaccinated, but they haven't changed the protocols. Right. Right. So until they change the protocols, I will be wearing a mask. I know I don't have to wear a mask, but I'm not trying to miss my money. And I just people. Everybody's worried about the wrong thing. Why are you worried about somebody wearing a mask or not? Right. Like, but back to this, (laughs) I knew that. When we did it, it was like, okay, now it's time to go to work. What are you going to do? You can't do shows. What are we going to do? And I was like, okay, I need a publicist. You're going to blow up acting. We're going to blow up DC, right? And I called. Well, we had a big meeting with my agent, and we tried to find some publicists, and nobody wanted to really work with us because it's a pandemic, one. And two, everything is different from their way of working, right? So a lot of people are working at home, and they're not really – it's just difficult. And they were like, we don't want to really spend your money like that because it's not the way it used to be. I'm like, cool. Thank you for whatever reason it is. And I don't quit and whatever, you know, and I have tactics, right? One of my tactics is whenever I get stuck or just get hit a roadblock, I join an organization of the thing that I want to do because organizations are full of professionals who have a certain mastery at their craft and they're in this organization together to make their profession better. And they have been mastering this craft for 10 and 20, 30, 40 years. And if all I got to do is pay an entry fee and then be privy to all their resources, 
What's the problem? So I joined the Public Relations Society of America. And two days in, I'm on a Zoom call with the CEO of this firm, PR firm. And, you know, I'm doing my due diligence because I've been through this, you know, gauntlet before. So I make press releases. I do bios, make sure everything's tight, got my SEO tight, everything ready to take advantage of this situation. And I raise my hand. I say, our press release is relevant. And they're like, well, what's it for? I was like, well, I'm kind of featured in this National Geico commercial called Scoop. There it is. Now I know what I'm doing, right? That's why I say it slow. Scoop. There it is, right? <laughs> and I'm looking at the chat. It's like, wait a minute, that can't be him. It, I love that commercial. That commercial's so good. And then the chat just, I blew up the entire Zoom. Everybody's like, I love that commercial. The moderator's like, oh my gosh, what is going on? And she realizes, she's like, we'd like to welcome DC to the organization. You just signed up, didn't you? I was like, yes. But back to your question, are they relevant? And this beautiful lady said, yes, they are, especially now because the whole last year has been COVID, right? The whole last year, everybody's been fighting each other. Everybody's been, everybody's worn down. People need to smile and hear you come throwing sprinkles and spinning scoops and you know what I mean? Like you just, you, you come bringing joy and happiness to the world and people smile again. And it's like what is needed at the right time. And not only are you doing that, you should be doing this. Go to this site to get in front of all the publicists. Go to this site to get in front of all of the TV talk shows. This site to go in front of this. This site to get in front of all your journalists. Make sure your pitches are this, this, that, and that, and that. And you should be good. Press releases are relevant. And because I didn't give up, because I hustled, and because I thought differently and played offense, I haven't looked back and it has opened doors for me. I could have never thought possible. I am basically my own PR firm now. And it is the reason you and I are talking right now. You own it. Right. People don't want to own it. They're afraid of it. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I got to have a publicist. It's the only way. If mm -hmm. I don't have a publicist, dude, Who you better own be it. Publicist and, and get your narrative out there than you. And you do it through press releases. The first press release I dropped was four, five days before the Super Bowl on a, on a it was a Tuesday. And I had that meeting. No, yeah. No, it was a, we had the meeting on a Tuesday. I dropped the press release on a Wednesday. And then Dan Patrick calls me on a Thursday. Dan Patrick show. They're like, we want you on the show. Then that Friday, we're on the Dan Patrick show in the morning. Two weeks later, we're on the Tamron Hall show. I asked everybody, how'd you, what made you want to get us on the show? We saw the press release. Mm. That press release went out to 300. It goes out to like a ton of entities, but then 300 entities picked it up and dropped it. Right? So that means, you know, the Wall Street Journal will pick it up and then put it in on their website or, you know, wherever they, wherever it fits. Right? Cause they're all looking for content because the whole 2020 all the content has been used up you got to feed the beast you got to feed the beast right so everybody needs content and feel good story is always going to be good content and like i said it has opened doors for me that i couldn't imagine and then just the you know the popularity of the commercial is all good too but it's cool because i don't need that i like i don't i don't need that stardom and i love it because we're still in COVID and I get to wear a mask and nobody knows who I am. So it's like, I'll be, I'll be in places and hear people talking about it. I've been to the gym and it comes on and nobody even knows. And they all know me. 
Nobody knows I do this. The, the record company, record industry doesn't know I do, I act or, you know, the voiceover, the voiceover and, uh, uh, you know, acting world doesn't know I do. Whoop, there it is. They will tonight, though, because I got a big one tonight in front of the whole voiceover industry. Oh, nice. You see what I'm saying? Nice. Because, all because I dropped press releases. I dropped a press release Tuesday, right? We did NASCAR. We were the Grand Marshals of the 2020, 2021 Geico 500 at Talladega. All we did was a video, say, gentlemen, start your engines. And I'm like, this is too big for me not to do a press release. And what I learned is a press release is a Trojan horse for you to impose your will, right? Because you're going to tell the, the headline is the headline. That's what we were. It was fun. We did this. But you know that DC's doing this, this, that, and that, and this, that, that, and that, and he's doing this, and he wants to do this, and anybody out there that wants him to do this, you need to call this number, this number, this number, this number. And now, the world, right now, that voiceover is called uh, the State of VO. That is probably going to be one of their biggest ones they've ever done. Because now, when you do a press release, it not only spreads through the press, right? The traditional press, but it spreads through every form of media, through all the YouTube, for all the, the, all the social networks. So not everybody's seeing those social networks because if you tag your stuff right, it'll show up in the social networks. And then now they take those posts and they blow it up and now it means something, right? Because Precisely. it was a press release. Yeah, it's been reinforced. Yeah, It's been reinforced. And yeah. when it's being reinforced, then people regurgitate it on a level that I haven't seen to where everybody's regurgitating and they're going to find memes and they're going to just, they're playing up the narrative and playing up the narrative. And now I'm getting, I'm getting calls from the whole industry. I'm getting, Hey man, I'm so glad. I can't wait to to see this tonight. Right. If I had just sat back, been, I'm so happy. I got a Geico commercial. None of this. Right. None of this. Absolutely. And, it has been so good for me that there are three things I want to tell you about that I can't because I'm under non-disclosure agreement. It's fantastic, dude. There is nothing. I believe that it is not that there's nothing I can't do. It's that I am not going to leave this earth regretting that I didn't do something that I wanted to do. Good for See, you. That's my choice. Good for you. Yeah, it's ownership so, again. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 but, Don't but, be a victim, you know. <laughs> See, and and there are certain, this is what I love about it, about, about how I think. Because I've always thought like this, but I'm now starting to become, I'm really, my, 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 my hide is very, very hard now because I understand it. Because like everything that comes at me, I flip. Like one thing is I've, over the years have developed the ability to sequester and tamp down any negative energy, right? I might react to it, but I don't react to it. I just take it, put it in my pocket and use it for fuel, right? I have this uh, learning thing where I love to learn, but it's not just enough to learn. Anybody can read a book, but you might start daydreaming or whatever. So if I get a long email, I'm like two lines in, I start daydreaming. I'm like, I'll procrastinate and probably never read the email. But I got AI software that I could take that email, throw the text in. Now that now it's reading to me. 
and I'm still checking emails. Mm. And then if I, something hits my ear, oh, let me pay attention to what they're saying. Oh, and now I'm reading along with it while it's reading to me, now retaining so much more information. And it's not annoying to me. It's not, it, it's no one's fault that sometimes the things that we need to do are annoying to you or difficult. You just have to find another way to do it. You have to learn how to learn. That's one of the ways I came up with joining the organization. You learn how to learn with an organization. You can learn the whole game of what you want to do in two weeks because they've got all the resources. That's what they do. They take you from baby steps all the way to fruition because that's what they do. They have a convention every year. Everybody comes and they say, what's the state of our industry? These are the innovation. These are what's not working. This is what's working. You're always going to be good in that organization. I tell, and, and I, I did one, I did a, um, my high school, this girl from my high school was like, can you say something to the kids positive? I said, all right. She's like, Ooh. I was like, you ready? She's like, yeah. I was like, join an organization. She was like, huh? She thought I was going to say something like, you can be anything. You can do what you want to do. Work hard. I was like, nah. I said, join an organization because some of you are going to be lucky enough to go to college. Some of you not. But if you join an organization, you can learn if it's for you or it's not for you in two weeks. And if it's for you, that's your college education in two weeks. You still got to do the work, which might take four years, but you can understand what you're about to do and what that industry is about in two weeks. A couple of Zoom calls. Call and ask a bunch of questions to any number that's in that organization because somebody will pick up the phone and answer your question because that is what an organization is for. Learn how to learn. It's all out there, man. It's all out there. That's what and I now, don't understand. I get, you know, friends that'll send me a text saying, hey, can you explain this to me? Mm -mm, man. And I'll say, wait a minute, you have a computer. You don't, I couldn't explain it as well as if you just did your own Amen. But research people, on that. Amen. My Aunt Judy tells me, she told me this, this is one of her quotes. She said, sometimes people just ain't ready. Mm. And there are a lot of things in my life where I just wasn't ready, but not in a negative way, but just, just not ready. Right. And some of them are self-inflicted. Some of them do you harm, but a lot of them don't. And, you know, now I just feel like everything that I've done was a good move because it serves me now. Like I didn't, I didn't really quit anything. And if, the, if it was, if I knew it wasn't for me, you know, you drop a bomb, you have collateral damage, right? I call this collateral sprinkles, the good parts that the unintended consequences in a good way right? of something you tried to do, but you didn't quite finish it all the way. Cause you kind of realized it wasn't for you. You know, I, I tried to, I, I was a licensed commodities broker and I was going to have a hedge fund. And this is one of my tactics of learning how to learn. I, you know, I start calling hedge fund managers saying this is DC attack team. Cause I know how to use it when I need to. And now they're like, yeah, we'll have a meeting with you. Now I got meeting with these hedge fund managers and I know nothing about a hedge fund, but I go to LA, go to Las Vegas, LA, San Francisco, New York, have meetings. And first meeting I have is in Las Vegas. And I'm like, well, why should I let you guys manage my hedge fund? And they're like, what DC? We sent you the perspectives. I was like, yeah, but I need y'all to tell me. And they're like, because of this, 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 and this, this, that, and that, because our numbers are like this. And because we take care of our customers like this, this, that, but what about this? Well, this, this, that, and that, this, and this. And what they don't realize is while they're pitching me, they're teaching me. 
Learn how to learn. Learn how to learn. It's tactics, man. It, it's, and, and then I go back to the, you know, being able to control your emotions and use it later. I do that well because if something makes me angry and I got to audition, I'm like, I got to audition later today. I'm like, you know what? I can use this for that. And now instead of me coming, becoming a character or a caricature, I can pull that out my pocket and actually be there. And now the character becomes me and it's based in reality and practicality. Awesome. Yeah. Well, listen, I look, I can't thank you enough for this. I mean, yeah, it's just such a teaching moment. And I mean, look, 2020 was so tough on so many people. And I find it fascinating, you know, how your world kind of all aligned. It's a new frontier. Last year. It's so fantastic. And your openness to learning, um, to just, you know, proactively seek it out. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a great lesson. So um, yeah, you didn't have to sit back and rest on your laurels, your past success. I mean, it's, Mm-mm. it's impressive. So it's I like can't, I never did. you never <laughs> did. So, but like I, I never did it. That's how I, I look at it. I can't thank you for sharing this with me and with listeners. Um, and so, I, I appreciate you letting me sit here and run my mouth because I learn more by talking to people. Dude, I just, I, I just love your story. I love your direction. I just, everything you're doing, I'm, I'm just a fan. So I appreciate it, man. All right, my friend, stay healthy. And I hope uh, yeah. 2021 just keeps building on 2020 for you. Hey, and if it don't, I'm still pushing. I'm 2022 still will then. So. Yeah, it don't, it don't even matter. I'm not even looking at it. Like, I'm just like, I just go. That's all I do is go. I love That's all it. I can do. Like, yeah. Cause I got, all you got is control over what you do. That's it. That's it. That's it. End of story. All right, good people. Thank you, my friends. Have a good day. Stay healthy. That's our show this week. We thank our sponsor, Playboy Condoms, for supporting these episodes. To follow what's happening with this podcast, you can go to theradicalpod.com. You'll find past episodes, show notes, and even merchandise such as T-shirts and hats. Also, I encourage you to follow and rate us on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, please follow us on social media, The Radical Pod, where we reveal more about upcoming guests. Thanks for listening and spreading the word.